0: Will I still be able to get spare parts?
1: What about new aircraft sales?
0: Did you hear the Jabiru started making face shields?
1: Hi, and welcome back again to Grounded. This is Episode 7 in a series of podcasts about the impacts of the pandemic on general aviation in Australia. In this episode, we find out a little bit more about what's happening in the manufacturing sector. Have new aircraft or spare part sales been affected? What's happening for supply chain? And whether manufacturing might really take off again in Australia? And of course, I ask about Jabiru's brief foray into the face shield market. I'm Angela Stevenson, and this week I'm talking with Sue Woods of Jabiru, a family-owned business and one of the only aircraft manufacturing companies in existence in Australia. Sue is also a licensed pilot and she has a fabulous insight around a possible resurgence of recreational flying in the future. So grab a cuppa and settle in for a nav chat or enjoy your COVID walk. Hi Sue and thanks so much for joining me.
0: Hi Angela, it's uh, great to talk
1: with you. Jabaru has been around since 1988, starting out with one composite light aircraft design, the LSA 55 slash 2k model and you'll have to let me know if I get that wrong and now produces aircraft and kits that are sold to over a dozen countries and engines to many more and you manufacture propellers and your spare part inventory. So what was the business starting to look like before the pandemic? Well
0: 2020 was shaping up really well and and looked like a real upturn for us. Uh, We had strong Orders for aircraft and engines, some kits and propellers were doing really well. Also, so it, it, it really looked like a, a good year coming coming up. And then, then of course the pandemic hit the world, uh, which was really left field.
1: Mm. And can I ask you if the if the bulk of your orders are for flight schools or are they for recreational Australian pilots like myself?
0: The, uh, most of ours are for recreational pilots and they're typically people who have re- have retired so they've got rid of the home loans and they've got rid of the kids and now it's time to do something for themselves and often they've been got some um, superannuation money that's you know come available to them and they want to just enjoy life and so they'll do the go around Australia adventure. Instead of in a caravan, they'll do it in a in a Jabiru. So uh, there are a lot of our customers, but we also have a lot of flying schools, and they're, they're made up of a lot of one man bands or just family companies.
1: So, how many aircraft does Jabiru produce in a normal year?
0: It can vary enormously, but yeah, around ten to twenty or so in a year. It just varies uh, so dramatically in our business and when one part of the world can be doing really well another part can be in a real big hole economically. So we're fortunate that we are international there and, and likewise with the different types of product that we've got.
1: And, and how has the pandemic affected your business from an operational perspective?
0: It was uh, very scary to start with, a scary few weeks watching what was happening overseas and with the health crisis and the economic crisis developing as well. We didn't know whether we'd be forced to close or be shut down by the virus. Fortunately we were able to stay open and nobody got sick and so we continued with lots of hand washing and physical distancing and expanded the tea room for the, and had our lunch down under the gum trees at the backyard. So just weary of everything that's around us and just getting over the hurdles as they as we come across them.
1: Mm. And from a business perspective, so you said you were really winding up for a cracker a year, in terms of sales, etc., what are, what are you envisaging there or how has it affected that? Have have you lost those sales? Can I ask you that? Have you lost those sales or um, do, have people just put them on hold?
0: Well, we only had one that um well downgraded his aircraft to a, a smaller, cheaper version, and the spare parts initially they seem to do okay, and then they they've seem to have dropped off. But I think everyone's just in a, a bit of a wait and see mode at the moment. It, certainly, we have seen some de- some decline, but mm, just hopeful that it'll revert later on when people get a bit more confidence in what's going to
1: happen. Mm. So in terms of strategy, most businesses have some sort of a five-year plan. If you have one, have you reviewed that? Have you looked at what you're doing?
0: Mm. Our business, you can make a five-year plan and it'll have been changed before the ink's dried. So, <laughs> um, we've just got to always remain really, really flexible and not get too set on any one path. We so have just got to be able to adapt to, to what ever comes, see, see what, how it rolls basically.
1: Mm. And what about supply chain? So has that been affected for you at all? I mean, I know that you manufacture, so those bits and pieces that you require to manufacture. How do you... What, do you see issues around supply chain?
0: Well, we were really, really concerned to start with, but our supply chain has not been too badly affected, as it turns out. Well, so far, anyway. Uh, we have high stock levels of raw materials for the engine parts, and many of these we machine in-house. Our Australian suppliers haven't been slowed so far, and our international suppliers have fared okay. We always seem to find some way around supply chain hiccups, though it does add a lot of stress at times. We're probably more concerned what's going to happen in eight months' time because most of ball parts that we get in have eight-month lead times on them. So it just depends on how badly affected those countries are as to what happens downstream.
1: And what else might keep you busy this year?
0: If there's not a lot of orders in the aircraft side, then often there'll be more things happening on the engine side or the maintenance side or with propellers or spare parts. So we're fortunate to have a few areas that will see us through difficult times We've also got a lot of other projects on too, which um, give us plenty to think about. So we've got two aeronautical engineers here and a team of very experienced technicians, and they're currently working on some projects that will lead us into new areas of technology that have wider application than recreational aviation. So we've always got those projects to work on.
1: Hmm. it seems that the businesses that do have a more diverse approach to business generally seem to be faring a bit better in this crisis
0: well you do have to be very innovative and our companies always been innovative and and, and try to get uh, product on the market when the when the needs there so many companies well even we've, we've seen even in this crisis where people, by the time they actually get geared up to, to be able to provide the product the market shifted. So well, we've got to be able to respond very quickly to whatever's happening out there.
1: And um, and can I ask you if you've laid off staff or put staff on or just repurposed staff?
0: Uh, we mainly uh, juggled our staff and they're all quite multi-skilled and very flexible, so we've just, uh, yes, as you'd say, repurposed them.
1: And do you think that the government assistance has been substantial, not enough, about right? Is there something they could have done differently?
0: Oh, look, I think the government assistance has been very significant and made a valuable difference to us. We are very fortunate to live in Australia and should appreciate that every day. Uh, Most other countries have not been
1: so fortunate. So I think we've got to be very thankful. Hmm. So I want to just ask you about manufacturing generally. There's um, quite a bit of a push for manufacturing to come back in Australia and I know you guys are one of the only aircraft manufacturers left in the country. Do you have any insights there or do you have any feeling for whether or not that will actually happen and whether the, whether the government will suddenly wake up and go, oh, yes, we actually need to do that so we will invest in manufacturing?
0: I'd like to say so, but I think everyone's got a very short memory and after the crisis has passed and we get on with our lives, it'll be, it'll be back to just getting things at the, the best price we can. So only time will tell on that.
1: And I, can I just take you back to the repurposing of your staff or your operation? Can you tell me about Jabberoo's Face Shield production run? How did that all come about and where might it go?
0: It all started when we, at that time, when we were seeing on the news every night those horrible reports coming from the situation in Italy, uh, with the healthcare workers there not properly protected and some dying in the course of duty. Uh, here at home, our healthcare workers were getting very worried too, and because we, because they had insufficient to protective gear as well. And one of our engineers, Alex and I both turned up at work after a weekend of watching these reports and both simultaneously wanting to do something to help, Um, both of us having friends and family on the front line who we wanted to protect. Uh, Alex uh, found an open source file for a 3D printed face shield um, band being used overseas and quickly managed to modify it to suit the suit the materials available to us uh, so he printed the headband section and then he uh, worked out how to uh, put the shield section on it out of polycarbonate and so probably within a day he had made one and and then had it tested for comfort and the disinfectants on it uh, in a dental, local dental practice then uh, with the speed of the social media just by Releasing some photos of the prototype, we had uh, an order from para- for paramedics in Western Australia and then we got orders from a doctor running a cl- fever clinic down south in Sydney and physios and dental surgeries and GP practices and then a uh, local hospital group. And because we only had two 3D printers that we used for prototyping, uh, which... Uh, very slow and not suited for mass production. We put out a request for more 3D printers and more 3D printing help from our local community. Just wasn't enough time to tool up for injection moulding, which is a better way to do. So anyway, we we got 600 distributed in a matter of a few weeks and then the crisis was averted, thankfully. Uh, It was a non-profit sideline, and quite distracting from our business, but we needed to, to do it at the time. Not something we'll continue with, as it, as there are the injection molding businesses who can fill the demand for mass quantities. They we're tilled up now, they can do like 25,000 a day. We were just there to try and help out people that were immediately at the front line and didn't have the gear and were very, very worried. So will we'll, we you know we've stepped out of it now
1: yeah. that that was a great thing to do. Thank you so much for doing that <laughs> it was
0: a Good distraction at the time, isn't it, and it's something you could feel good about.
1: Are there any other possibilities that you see in this crisis? I know we're still right in the middle of it and it's still dreadful for many, many, many people. But when I ask about possibilities, it's it's with the intention of trying to give people some sort of way through or something to think about that perhaps they could try or they could do. Is there anything that you can see in the GA industry where there might be possibilities?
0: I think uh, we might see some resurgence in people flying themselves and going around Australia and whatever because... The fuel prices have gone so down so much and I know back oh, 10, 12 years ago when I first started flying, it was cheaper for you to fly yourself, say up to Cairns or so, two people in one plane, but then it, it, the commercial flights became so cheap that it really didn't make sense to fly yourself, especially when you have to juggle weather and whatever. So there might be a resurgence in people flying themselves just while the fuel's fuel so low in price. And because, you know, I'm sure that flights on planes, when they do happen, are going to be quite expensive.
1: And do you have any suggestions for what the aviation industry can do better together to help us all?
0: Uh, the uh, aviation industry... Um is not known for working together on anything really (laughs) Uh, and each body is led by very strong personalities and all that strong opinions and why they're the most important in the industry so it's um it's best i think if we all just try to respect each other's contribution to aviation and get on that would be a a really good start and um, then maybe together you know we can we can see our way through it it's really Perhaps sad to see the the big guys really hurting badly at the moment but there's lots of little guys too, but all of them play such an important part to the whole aviation industry the little guys and the manufacturers like us who provide the training aircraft you know, uh, get those pilots to their commercial uh, life and we feed the airlines with pilots so they've all got a, a hard to play. If we can all support each other in these hard times, that uh, might be the best thing
1: that we can do. As a manufacturing company within the general aviation industry in Australia, do you think that general aviation should be given the same sort of attention as, and I'm not trying to divide here, I'm trying to to, um, point out, the airlines have received quite a bit of uh, financial assistance. Do you think general aviation should be given the same sort of attention?
0: Oh, general aviation, uh, certainly down at the grassroots area, as I said before, that feeds feeds the airlines. So even getting down to the local, local government, if they promote aviation and allow hangars to be put up, that attracts more maintenance, and therefore there's more people getting apprenticeships to become uh, aircraft maintenance, and then they can go on and they can feed the airlines. And it's at those levels if there's just plenty of um, support for local aviation right down to the council bases. So so many councils there are just uh, so opposed to aviation and it's very difficult to even get permission to put up a hangar at some of them. Uh, that certainly limits how much, how many planes we can sell because people aren't going to leave their planes out. We're very, very fortunate here in Punaweru. We have a very supportive council, very encouraging of um, development on the airport. But not very far away from us, there's councils that really don't like aviation. You can't get permission to put up hangars, so it really stifles the industry right at the grassroots. So money or support in those areas would promotes general
1: aviation. Well, thank you very much, Sue, for your time today. That was really great. Well, that's good. And all the best of luck for you. That was Sue Woods, business manager of Jabiru Aircraft from Bundaberg in Queensland. So what do you think? Will recreational flying see a resurgence? Are you more likely now to buy a plane, now that fuel is so cheap? And my bonus question for you today is, do you agree that manufacturing in Australia won't really take off? Will Australians simply want the cheapest product or will they buy local? Take a minute to give me your thoughts. Go to rightspeakfly.com forward slash grounded and find today's episode's comments section. As usual, it's Friday Fly Day, so don't be av-bored. Have you heard about the first ever GA Formation flight into Melbourne International Airport. As soon as those Victorian recreational flying restrictions were eased, a group of private pilots from Lilydale Flying Club called the Wedgetails, and I'll leave that up to you to shorten in an Australian manner, they seized the opportunity to create an historic first and form up and into a very, very quiet YMML. The event was organised to lift the spirits of everyone at the airport and everyone in this great big aviation family that has been affected by the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. You can find out all about Operation Tuller Bucket at www.australianflying.com.au and there's an excellent 15-minute video of the whole thing. Yours truly was a co-pilot and it was literally a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll have to watch the video to see how excited I actually was about it. Public thanks to all involved at Melbourne Airport, including Air Traffic Control, Air Services, Melbourne Airport Corporation, the safety vehicles on the tarmac, Victor Pody Aviation Photography, and everyone who contributed to the video footage. I'm looking forward to being with you again next week, hopefully an episode more focused on the charter sector of general aviation. I'm Angela Stevenson. Never forget how lucky we are to be in this industry. Be like the Wedgetail Formation team. Spread your wings and spread the love of aviation. And remember, you can always go round like Murray.